Well, here we are toward the end of 2020. We thought that would never come, that that would never happen. I mean, we've got the COVID stuff going on. And before that, really, we were all kind of thinking, oh, this, you know, it's normal flu season. We've got to worry about the flu. That's also a virus. COVID's a virus. The flu's a virus. But I'll be honest with you, just for me, this is just for Harley. The virus that I don't want to get, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not, let's put COVID to the side for just a moment. It's the stomach virus. Cole, I absolutely can't stand the stomach virus. So I have been doing what the CDC has been asking us to do all year long. I do that all year long anyway. I carry my own special um, formula. I, I believe this is racing fuel, actually. I'm not certain about that. but It smells <laughs> awful. <laughs> but all for this to kill that stomach virus. That is this one thing I just, I don't want to get. So I've been doing, I do this anyway. Now, um, maybe the mask would help with the stomach virus too. I'm not sure, but man, I just don't want to get that. But if someone has a virus, be it COVID or if they have uh, the flu or if they have the stomach virus, if they have it, if I have it, you know, these viruses, they just kind of they just kind of leave your body as you're breathing. Certainly when you cough and when you sneeze, you are spreading that virus. So I, I think we just simply can say about this, if I've got it, that's what I have, and that's what I'm giving to everybody who's around me if I have a virus. Now, you know what? I can pretend that I don't have a virus. I mean, I can I can pretend that all the things that go along with the virus, the, the side effects, I can pretend I don't have them. But the reality is, even if I'm pretending that I don't have a virus, I'm yeah. still giving that. In the end, what I have, it's going to come out well, some way. And for all of us, you know, collectively in this room watching online, Life is like that as well. Life's kind of the same way. What we have, what's on the inside, what we possess, what we can fake it. I do a great job of that at, at different times. We can fake it. Um, he's laughing because we've talked about how sometimes, you know, I, I, I tend to fake things. And, and, and I don't even know Not why everything. I do it. Not everything. Being... But just I don't even know why I do it. It's like, wow, what am I if doing? If someone comes in for a hug, I'm gonna you're going to fake it. Give it one of those, you know. I mean, I'm going to do everything <laughs> I can to avoid that moment. But um, that's COVID has been awesome as far as that's concerned. Yeah, that's helped but you But we can fake what we have on the inside. We can fool people. Uh, you know, we can give something that really we don't have much of. We can fake it. Something like grace. We can fake for a while <laughs> that we possess grace. We can fake for a while that we possess kindness, that we can uh, possess compassion. We can pretend that we've got a lot of it, and we can even probably give some of it out. They don't really have to know what I'm really thinking when I'm doing, you know, giving out something that I really don't have. But in the end, when it, it all pulls down, what's actually in there, inside of my heart and inside of my life, eventually it's going to come out every single time. And one of the things, Harley, I've noticed is it happens most mm -hmm. often when we're under stress. Yeah. When we're under stress, that's when it's really hard 
um, to manufacture energy, to manufacture strength that we need to fake it. And when we're under stress, we're going to pretty much give what we have, and that's what's going to come out. Yeah. It, perfect example. Just a moment ago, right before we stepped up on the stage, Cole was like, hey, everything good? Everything all right? And I was like, you know, I was under some stress this morning just trying to figure out a couple of uh, technology things that wasn't going my way. And so what is inside in those moments of stress, I have less there to kind of push it back. And so we're going to transition now from, from me and from Cole and from us we're going to look at someone else for just a moment, put the spotlight on him. This guy named Judas, who has a really important part to play in the life of Jesus. This guy named Judas. Now, Judas is a perfect example or a great example of someone who gave what they had. And he gave what he had to the very end and what Judas had to give, well, it was just kind of what we were talking about. It was like a virus, really. Nothing really good that you wanted out of that. Now, when you look at the historical record of Judas, when you look at those history writers uh, who wrote Scripture um, under the influence and guidance of God, um, we have the biography of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We have those biographies. Uh, and when they recorded the name of Judas, when they introduce us to Judas, in this historical record, they just made a comment. It was like Judas, and then they would say something like, who would betray Jesus? They didn't say anything really biting, nothing really nasty or cruel about him. They just gave that little description, Judas, who would betray Jesus. I found that interesting because they knew Judas as well as anyone knew Judas, uh, as anyone could, uh, the amount of time they spent with him. Now, all of the experiences that the disciples, those 12 men that Jesus handpicked to follow him and train them in how to start churches and carry on, all of those, when they were gathered, the disciples, Judas was there with them. He experienced everything they experienced. He was there as an equal with all of the other disciples. And he was an equal because Jesus handpicked Judas. Here's what Jesus had to say one time, though, in talking to his 12 guys. John chapter 6, verse 70, then Jesus said, I chose the 12 of you. Now, it's very important for us to understand. Jesus chose the 12, and he chose specifically Judas as well. But he goes on and says, but... One of you is a devil. So he's not kind of hiding the fact. He just didn't say who it was. But the writer here, John, says he was speaking, because, you know, he went back and said, oh, that's who he was talking about. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would, and there's the phrase again, later betray him. Jesus said, Judas was a devil. You know, not the devil, just he was, he was evil. You see, Jesus was not shocked. Jesus was not surprised at the things that Judas was thinking. Ju Jesus knew what Judas was thinking. He wasn't surprised. 
Jesus wasn't shocked or surprised at the choices that Judas was making. And Jesus was not going to be caught off guard by the decisions that Judas would make in the future when Judas decided to betray Jesus. Jesus knew exactly who Judas was, what he was about, what he was going to do, and still Jesus chose Judas. One of the coolest aspects, not not the, the coolest, but one of the coolest aspects to me about these four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these four primary account, firsthand stories, uh, biographies, historical biographies of Jesus, is um, we have the benefit as the reader um, of kind of knowing yeah. the back of the book a little bit, and it, maybe you could call that foreshadowing in a literary term, but we kind of know where the story's going to end up. We know the story's going to end up 30 pieces of silver, kiss on the cheek, Judas uh, betrays Jesus, Jesus is crucified, and Judas is going to eventually hang himself. He's going to kill himself. We know that. But it's really cool because as we read through these biographies, we get some foreshadowing. Yeah. We, we get some pictures, some snapshots. Mm-hmm. Of who Judas really was. Because if we don't uh, know the back of the book, well, the, the, the thought it's going to kind of be a really good uh, story, a really good narrative, because all of a sudden at the very end, bop, 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 one of his friends betrayed him. But we get foreshadowing throughout these biographies. Uh, in week one, if you'll remember, we talked about um, the forgiven and changing, not changed, that's very important, changing prostitute who was washing the feet of Jesus with basically what was her life savings in the form of a very, very expensive perfume. And we actually get a little foreshadowing of Judas that we didn't talk about in week one, but we're going to go back to a little foreshadowing of who Judas really was, what was really inside of Judas uh, while he was faking it. And we find it in John chapter 12, verse uh, verses 4 through 6. This was the, the response of Judas as he was washing, uh, watching this woman, this prostitute who was in the process of changing as she was washing the feet of Jesus. This is Judas's response. John chapter 12, verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple, again, there it is, who would soon betray him, said, and again, we're going to read between the lines a little bit. He probably didn't say it very loudly, probably didn't make a big scene about it. It might have been more, you know, kind of leaning over to the disciple who was next to him. You know, it's kind of in in an aside. He said in verse 5, hey, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not, verse 6, John tells us, not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, which we know Judas was kind of the treasurer of the group. And because he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So again, we get this foreshadowing of what Judas really is, and he can't hold it back all the time. He's not perfect all the time, because what you have inside that's what's going to come out. You're going to give what you have. And in Judas's case, he had a virus. We look here in another of the biographies of Jesus's life written by Matthew. Matthew 26, verse 10. But Jesus, aware of this, replied. So this is Jesus's reply. This is kind of continuing the story, picking it up from maybe a different perspective. Jesus replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? 
You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And a little bit of foreshadowing there. Jesus letting them know, hey, this is, this is about to come to an end. She has poured this perfume on me to prepare my body for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. So again, there's a little compare and contrast there. Judas, what he had inside, it came out. The same can be said for this prostitute whose life was changing. What she had and what she was really about, it came out. And just like Jesus predicted or said what happened, here we are, 2020, on December the, what's today, the 20th, December 20th, 2020, and we're still talking about it. Yeah. Verse 14, then Judas Iscariot, one of the 12 disciples, went to the leading priest. And it, did it happen immediately following this? Maybe, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But at some point, relatively quickly after this event, Judas Iscariot went to the leading priest and in verse 15 asked, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. Now, the next statement made by Matthew in verse 16 is a big deal. It's a really big deal as we kind of break down the life of Judas Iscariot and what was really on the inside. It says, from that time on, from that moment on, it's almost like it shifted from the Judas trying to play the game, fake it until you make it, make people believe what you want them to believe. From that moment on, though, something changes. And it said, Matthew tells us that Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Because in Judas's life, as in mine, what's on the inside, eventually, is going to come out. I am going, uh, what I have is what I'm going to give. Yeah, happens every time. Every time. For me as well. And for Judas, he had this virus. And we're going to call it maybe the virus of selfishness. If you remember what we talked about last week, that would be significant. Um, the virus, he had the virus that says, I want to play God. I want to control everything around me. That virus, that, that spreads pretty quick, doesn't it? Maybe we've had that. It's a virus that says, I want life to turn out the way that I want it to turn out, and I will do what I need to do in order for that to happen. And very specifically here, Judas wanted a different kind of Messiah than Jesus was being, and he thought he could force Jesus to be the kind of Messiah that he thought he should be. Now, this desire to be God, that is like a virus. If we have it, that's what we're going to give. If that is inside of us, that desire to control everything around us, that desire to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, the way I want to do it, that is what we give. If that's inside of us, that is what comes out. And Judas clearly had that virus. Now, soon after that episode, that, uh, that snapshot that Cole just read for us, soon after that happened, Judas makes the decision to betray Jesus, and things move very, very quickly. Um, soon after that comes what we call the Last Supper. And there's Judas with the other 11 disciples beside him and Jesus. And during the course of that, 
Jesus again calls out Judas and says, yeah, you're the one. And he also then says, yeah, go ahead. It's time. Go ahead and do what you need to do. That's the Last Supper. Happened very soon after the the, uh, historical account that Cole just read. And then right after the Last Supper, they leave that room and they go out to the the garden um, where Jesus is going to be praying. And that's also where the soldiers along led by Judas come in, and that's where the betrayal happens right there. Just all this just goes bam, 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 right behind each other. And after Judas betrays Jesus, and as he sees how this is playing out, Judas suddenly has remorse. And as Cole reminded us, that's when, just after that, he went out and he hung himself. He killed himself. And we don't hear from Judas, the betrayer, again after that. That is the end of the story, the end of his life. He gave what he had all the way to the end. What was inside him came out. If you will go back and read the story, you'll also find out why that statement is significant. It's very interesting. You should go read that. What he had, that's what he gave. Because that's the way it works. So now let's shift just a moment. That was Judas, the bad, bad guy. That was the the, the really bad guy of the story. I mean, that's the ultimate. What do you call that in a narrative? He's the antagonist of the story. He's the, you know, really, really bad. So now we have another guy. And we kind of always lift this guy up on a pedestal a little bit. This guy, his name is Peter. Now, Peter was also one of the 12 disciples, and so he was also with Jesus from near the very beginning, right beside Jesus, right beside Judas, and Peter is proof. He's proof that we're all carrying the virus. (laughs) Because we look at the story, and again, we're taking it kind of snap, we're going to hear them for the yes. next few minutes, we're going to take some snapshots. We're going to jump around uh, in the narrative, in the biography. And if we just look at Judas, the tendency could very easily be, as it is for me, uh, I'm a kind of a black and white guy. I'm kind of, you know, good versus evil, and there's the virus. Clearly, Judas, you go, well, yeah. Clearly. Course, clearly, Judas had the virus. Clearly, Judas, uh, it, of course, you, you kind of took the low-hanging fruit when you use Judas. But there's, it, it Peter is the same way. We, we are shown through Peter's example that we all deal with the same virus, the same problem. We're all carrying it. So a quick snapshot here. Um, not giving, we're just kind of paraphrasing. Peter Toward the, uh, toward the end of, of the, the biography, toward the end of the story, Peter tells Jesus, and I'm going to paraphrase a little, he basically says, hey, Jesus, you don't uh, need to worry because we're not going to let you be tortured or killed. We're not going to let it happen. Um, you know, it's just, uh, you may be the Messiah. You may say that you've got this whole thing under control, but hey, I'm going to change the plan. I'm going to swap the narrative. I'm going to make it come to an outcome that I feel like is more befitting of you as opposed to this outcome that you're playing around with that just doesn't fit my version of what I think the story should be. I'm going to change that. I'm going to make it fit what I want to happen, Jesus, because after all, 
And he didn't say this, but he insinuated it by his actions. I want to control everything around me. I want to be a God. I want to be like God. Peter, in this snapshot, shows us that we give what we have. What's on the inside is going to invariably immediately. When, G, when, excuse me, when Peter said this, though, Jesus actually immediately is going to put Peter in his place. He's going to rebuke him pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, he does. And, but, you know, yes, we're, we're, we are paraphrasing what may have been <laughs> happening in his mind, but sounds a whole lot like what Judas was doing, right. doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, Very here's similar. another snapshot, a, a, another snapshot. So Jesus now is in the garden being arrested. He's going to be taken uh, to trial. That's what's ahead. He's going to be tortured and he's going to face death on the cross. So while in the garden, while the soldiers come up, Peter takes his sword and He's a fisherman, not a swordsman. And while trying to strike a deadly blow on one of the soldiers, he misses and clips his ear. Ear comes right off. It just goes tumbling into the dirt. <laughs> and it's as if, here's another paraphrase, Harley's uh, version. Yo, Jesus, I got this. I, I mean, I'm going to take care of things so you don't have to go through what is getting ready to be in front of you. After all, Jesus, I want things to turn out the way I want them to. So here's what we see for Peter. We give what we have. What is inside of us always comes out. Now, when Peter did this, Jesus' uh, response, um, he put uh, both Peter and that ear back in their places. Yeah. And it, it, this is Peter we're talking about. This is, if there's a Mount Rushmore of Bible people, right? Yeah. I mean, if we're going to take the new covenant and say, who's on the Mount Rushmore? And we, I, we do that. You know, guys, I, I know guys I hang around with, we do that. You know, what would be the Mount Rushmore of you know, this? Or what would be the Mount Rushmore of that? The Mount Rushmore of the new covenant, without question, would have Peter on it. Yeah. He's there. But we've got another snapshot. So this is the third snapshot of Peter showing us, yeah, he's, he's got the virus. Yeah. He deals with it too. So while Jesus is on trial, um, he's actually being uh, accused in the house of the high priest, in the courtyard area of the high priest. And while all this is going down, and it is pretty obvious the direction that things are going. And again, we're reading between the lines a little bit, but... It's pretty obvious what the eventual outcome very likely is going to be. While all this is going on, now this is the same Peter that not long before said, I won't let it happen. I'm going to stop this from happening. Peter is actually watching all of these events uh, from kind of a safe distance. He's kind of, uh, you know, watching from around the corner or far enough away that where he's not necessarily going to be noticed. He can hear, but he can't be seen. But apparently someone recognized Peter. Uh, for who he was and as a follower of this man, Jesus, who was being put on trial in the courtyard of the high priest. And they said, hey, you, you hung out with him. I know you did because um, you, you sound like him. You talk like he did. You have the same dialect, the same accent that he did. And Peter, uh, when that happened, he actually curses Jesus and then he completely he lies about ever even knowing him. I mean, at this moment, we've all been here. Um, if, you, if you get caught doing something that you maybe think is going to get you in trouble, probably he thinks, you know what, if I just eh, kind of fudge the truth a little bit here, if I'm dishonest, I can probably avoid some pain and some trouble that I think I'm going to be in if this continues to play out. Because after all, 
you know, this is not the way that I want things to turn out. This is, this is not right. And, and Peter actually curses Jesus and lies about the fact that he ever even knew him. Because, again, even with someone on the Mount Rushmore of the New Covenant, we give what we have. Yeah. And what's on the inside is going to come out. Every time. And I think we can say that Peter is proof that we all have this virus. If Peter had it, I mean, yeah, like Cole said, we expect Judas to have it. But if Peter had it too, I think we can safely say we've all got it. But Peter is also proof of this. Now, this is significant. He's proof that we all have the virus, but he's also proof that we all have access to the vaccine so that we can begin to change and give something, instead of a virus, we can give something of value, and more importantly, something of eternal value is what we can give. So we have Judas, who was filled, eventually filled with remorse, and his response to that really was to control things again, and in this scenario, he went out and he hung himself. Peter, Peter, after this scenario that Cole just described, Peter was also filled with great remorse. He wept with great remorse. And he did something too. Peter repented. That means Peter turned away from following his way to following the way of Jesus. That's what for us repentance means, change direction, to turn around. And that's what Peter did. And so 2,000 years later, Judas is the antagonist and Peter's on the Mount Rushmore because of that one very simple act. Because when we do what Peter did and what Harley just described, when we do that, God's Spirit actually moves from being around us and in our proximity to actually being in our lives. Now, don't get me, don't ask me to try to explain yeah, that. Sure. I can't explain that. That's on a level well above me. But the new covenant tells us that when we do make that decision to repent, God's spirit actually indwells us and it becomes a part of who we are. And, and, and he, that's he with a capital H, he changes me daily, moment by moment as I submit to him. We talk about that all the time, how it doesn't just happen kind of overnight. It's not one of these, you know, decisions and then it everything changes at that moment. It's a moment by moment, decision by decision process. And as we submit moment by moment, God's spirit then gives us more and more character traits like Jesus because Peter did not exhibit character traits like Jesus But as his life continued on and as he changed moment by Mm -hmm. moment and decision by decision, we see that Peter's character traits begin to resemble more like Jesus as opposed to Judas. And that contrast is very evident. And it makes, like it did for Peter, it also makes for me and for us, it makes a difference from the inside out. Because, again, like we've said several times over the course of the last few minutes, As we repent and as we change and as we go from moving this direction to moving this direction, moment by moment, decision by decision, then what happens is what is in us now is what we're giving out 
now. Because it's changed. Because God's Spirit is now in there and kind of running the show as opposed to the way it was. So that kind of leads us, I think, to a couple of questions that are significant, not only for me, but for all of us and, and for anyone watching. These are two very significant questions on the, on the point of that, moment, that repentance and that process of moment by moment growing and changing. Yeah, and, and in keeping with the series, part of that too is... We get it backwards. This is where we get, yeah, can we get, get it backwards. backwards. We, we, we completely get it backwards, and when we get it backwards, it hurts. But question number one is, what are we going to give? What are we going to give? Are we going to give like Judas? Are we going to give a virus, the virus? Or, like Peter began to do, are we going to give something of eternal value? What are we going to give? And then the next question, what determines that? What's already inside of us determines what we give. And we look at the life of Jesus now. We celebrate this season that we have created, this holiday that we have created, and we're celebrating Jesus who came here for one reason, and that was to give. And God in that gave everything. God gave everything so that anyone who is willing can have the sin virus vaccine that only God himself can provide. And so this is how he did it. God came here as Jesus, as this human baby. And this human baby, who was also completely God, grew up and lived a sinless life because it was going to take a sinless life to do what needed to be done. So he grew up, he lived a sinless life so that he could be the sacrifice for all, for all time and for all. Now we mentioned that Peter repented. And so Jesus died on the cross. He came back to life as he predicted. And he spent some time here on earth with his followers. And then he left and he went to the real place called heaven. And now Luke gives us a little snapshot here of Peter who has repented. And Peter, he, uh, for the first time recorded, he, he teaches to a mass number of people, thousands of people, and he is teaching them exactly what he has himself experienced, and that is how to turn fully to Jesus, how to repent. I was going this way, but I'm going to go this way. I was following my way, but now I'm going to follow his way. And Peter teaches them that. And here's what happens. This is the result. Acts chapter 2, Luke records it for us. Peter's words pierced their hearts, thousands of people. And they said to him and to the other apostles, here's what they said, Brothers, what should we do? In other words, what, what's next? What is my next 
step. What can I do? We've heard what you've said. It has pierced our hearts. Now, what can we do about it? And here's what Peter said. And God says the very same thing to us. Verse 38, Peter replied, each of you, he said, must repent of your sins. That means I'm going this way and I'm going to turn around. I was following my way and I'm going to turn around and follow the way of Jesus. I'm going to follow God. He says, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God. All right? That's what repentance is. Not my way anymore. I'm going to go God's way. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And then he says, then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And here's why. Not so that you can be saved. He said, be baptized to show that you have really received this forgiveness for your sins. And he ends it with this. So with repentance, as Cole said, comes this. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it requires first, the first thing that has to happen, we've got to recognize that we have the sin virus, that we are we mess up. We're going the wrong direction. We're following after what we want to have happen. Kind of like what Peter, I want it to go my way, the way I want it to, ha- to, to go. We've got to recognize, hey, we've got the sin virus inside of us. And on my own, there is absolutely nothing that I can do to change that. But then after that recognition of, yeah, I've got the sin virus, I'm I'm really a lot more like Judas than I probably ever realized. The next step is it requires us to turn away um, from our way and to follow Jesus by submitting our lives to the care and the control of God. We, We say things like kind of a phrasing that we use for that is making Jesus the boss of my life. He's the boss. He's in charge. Um, I was in charge. I was doing my way. I was doing my thing. But at this moment, Jesus, I'm giving you control. I don't understand it. I don't completely grasp everything. But I'm going, I have the sin virus. And I know it. And now I want to give you complete control of my life, Jesus. You are the boss. You're submitting your life to the care and the control of God. And then after that happens and after God's spirit, kind of like Harley just said, comes in and, and takes over and it's, it's in us and not just around us. It's actually a part of our decision making and it's a part of our daily life and it's a part of kind of making us who we are on the inside, which is what's going to invariably come out of our mouth and of our lives and with our decisions. As that happens, we just continue to follow him daily. And he changes us little by little, moment by moment, decision by decision. The prostitute that we talked about in week one, she didn't immediately become the follower of Jesus that she would become down the road. It happened over time. It happened moment by moment. And the same God, the same God who invited Judas to follow him, Picked him out. One out of 12. I I want you to follow me. The same God that invited Judas to follow him. The same God uh, that did that is the same God who invited Peter to follow him. Now their responses were obviously very different. But it's the same God. And he is the same God who invites all of us. Right now. In a really cool time to do it too. Right around Christmas. He's the same God that invites all of us 
to follow him also. Yeah. So all of what we have said today and taught today leads us really to what, you know, hey, okay, what, what do we do about this then? The same thing that those people listening to Peter said, what do we do? What's the next step? This morning we want to offer you a next step. And the first next step that we want to offer is just simply God's plan to save us. It's the very same thing that Peter taught. So there's not really a whole lot for us to say more about that. It's that we have to come to the place where we admit that, yes, I have been living life my way on my terms, and that's the sin virus saying, I want to be God. I want to play God. I, I, I want to control everything around me. I want to be in control of my life. It's my life. I'll do with it what I want. And God gives us that freedom. But if we will admit that that's what we have and that it is broken, then we can do the next thing, and that is to believe that Jesus really did come here as a child, that God left heaven, stepped out of heaven as Jesus, who was fully human as Jesus, but at the same time fully God. And he came here to do that one thing, to live a sinless life so that he could go to the cross and he could die for the sins of the entire world and for all of those who would eventually submit to him and give their lives over to the care and control of Jesus. And the only way that connection could be made is if Jesus died, paid the price for the sins of the world. And that's exactly what he did. And so if we can admit right now this morning that, yes, I've got that virus, and if we believe that Jesus is the vaccine and the only possible one, as Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And if we believe that, then we simply confess Jesus as the new owner of our lives. That is repentance. That is us turning. I was the owner of my life. I was the director of my life. It was all me. And I'm going to turn because that's broken. That's viral. I'm going to turn. And in doing so, I'm going to follow, follow Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. I was the owner, and now I'm confessing, Jesus, you are the boss, the owner of me. And that is turning. That is repentance. And this morning, I just says what your heart is saying to Jesus right now. Yes, I have blown it, and I have been following my way. I am disconnected from you, God. But because you died on the cross for me, if that's what your heart is saying, and three days later you defeated death and walked out of that tomb, if that is what your heart is saying, and now I am turning my life from my way and handing it over to your care and to your control, Jesus. You are now the boss of my life. Then, here, as Cole said a moment ago, that is when God's Spirit moves into your life. Now, here's probably what is not going to happen. I very seriously doubt you're going to see fireworks go off in your mind or around you. You are making a decision 
to say, I was the boss, and now Jesus, because of what you did for me and in my place, you are now my boss, and I repent, and I turn, and I will follow you. And it's for the rest of your life thing. It's not saying I'm going to follow you for a few weeks and test it out. You're saying I'm all in. I'm turning, and I'm pursuing you. It's a decision. You're, you're probably not going to pass out in your seat right now. If you are, we're calling 911. <laughs> you're making a decision to turn your life. A decision. This was me and now I'm going to follow Jesus. And if that's what you're doing right now, I just simply say this to you. Welcome to the family of God. You're now a child of his. If that's what your heart is saying and doing, you are now a child. And somehow, as Cole said, and I can't explain it either, God moves into your life via his spirit. And it is forever. And yes, you're still going to mess up and you're still going to blow it and you're still going to make mistakes and you are still going to, and all of those things are called sin. You're still going to sin this side of heaven. But if God's spirit is really in you and you are pursuing him, your life is not going to any longer be characterized by chasing after that sin. When you fall, and sometimes my biggest sins and my biggest falls has happened this side of me connecting my life to Jesus. And it may be a season, but you get back up and you realize, whoa, I've got to go this way. I got off track. I got off course. I fell. And you get up and you go. Your life is not going to be characterized by pursuing that for your life. You're now, when you fall, you get up and you pursue Jesus again. I simply say this, welcome to the family if that is you today. And I want to ask you on the back of your connection card where it says for the first time I'm really making Jesus the boss of my life, will you please before you turn that in or before you hit submit on the online version, will you check that box? It's under my next step today. For the first time I'm really choosing to become a Christ follower I'm giving my life to Jesus because he died as a sacrifice for my sins so that I could be his forever. I'm making Jesus the boss of my life. And if that's you, will you let us know? If you're listening online, please, please, please let us know. If you're in this room right now with us and you made that decision, please let us know. We have more steps for you. Cole, what's another step? Well, this step is a step. That is the step. Yeah. But as we talked about throughout this entire morning, um, what, what Harley's talking about and what, we're, what we've been trying to talk about is you, you ask the question, how do I know that I'm, I've really taken that step and I've really turned and that's really happened and I really have experienced that repentance? And we'll go back to that statement that we've made many times. What's on the inside? It will come out. And there will be that visual, uh, or there, there, it will come out. What's on the inside will come out. That is the next step this morning. But a next step that can kind of be a part of that coming out and that, that what's on the inside will come out is also, we would encourage you as a second step this morning, uh, read Luke chapter 15, or read Luke chapter 15, uh, verse 20. Okay? No, through 20. Through 20, through 20. I'm sorry, through 20. Read that. 
Look what Jesus gave. Again, if we're going to compare and contrast with anybody, anywhere, anytime, Jesus is a really good place yes. to start. Look what Jesus gave. Look at, um, as I look at my life, and I ask Jesus this question, today, have I given more virus than something of value? Yeah. Have I? And, and, and oftentimes, the answer for me is yes. I find myself answer, answering that question in the affirmative. Then ask myself the question of what's inside of me when I am giving that virus. What's going on? Where am I off track, like Harley talked about? Where am I off track? Where am I missing the mark? And ask Jesus to help crowd that out. Get that out of the way to help you to develop more of his character. And yeah. it, again, it doesn't happen overnight. It's right. not an overnight immediate process, but it does happen moment by moment, decision by decision, uh, just day by day. For the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. I'm going to give you one more bonus step. The last thing we're going to suggest this morning is that you simply uh, jump into God's word again and let's go to something written by this guy we've talked about, by Peter. It's a letter he wrote, 1 Peter. And I'm going to ask you to read chapter 1 and then read chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And then simply look at your life and talk to God, have a conversation with God. And here's what you're asking. What changes, God, do you want to make and the way I view life, and the way I respond to life, so that I can give what you give, Jesus. That's a great step, too. In fact, Cole said it right. The first step, that's the step. If we miss that step in life, then we have done what we talked about last week, and we have gained the whole world, but we have destroyed our very soul for eternity. Step number one is the step. We encourage you to take step number two as well and have those conversations with Jesus. We encourage you to take step number three and continue that conversation with Jesus. And if you are going to take that first step with us today for the first time, please let us know. Now, let's talk to Jesus. God, the words that you gave Peter to speak Luke records that it pierced their hearts. And, and, and the people listening, many of them, thousands that day said, what should we do next? And Peter replied. He said, each of you must repent. Repent of these sins, this sin virus that we have. And turn to God and be baptized. And God, when we turn to you and we prove that we have turned to you by being baptized, then God, when we turn to you, your spirit moves into our lives and begins to make those changes. And God, that is a wonderful gift you give us, your spirit living in us. And your spirit changing us. And I ask you this morning, God, will you continue changing me? Please, God, change me as I choose 
to submit to you moment by moment. And it's in the name of Jesus, our Savior, that we pray these things. Amen.